Hello and welcome to The Fandamentalist, the fandom podcast investigating all aspects of geeky media. Sorry, did I hit my head and wake up in patriarchal bullshit land? Don't put me in charge! It certainly worries me to make self-defeating mistakes out of fear of appearing weak. You were right. We are from different worlds. That is a failing indeed, but I cannot laugh at it. Welcome to the I Disappoint Dad Club. That theme song you just heard was Good Riddance by R. Soner, available on the Free Music Archive. My name is Kylie, and here with me today are Gretchen. Hello. Julia. Hey. Ian. Hello. And Zach. What's shaking? <laughs> Who are all these people, you might be asking? Well, the five of us write for thefandamentals.com, the geeky website for fundamentally sound fandom analysis. And Ian and Zach are two of our contributors who, alongside Gretchen, have been doing a very dutiful Star Wars rewatch. We uh, suffered for you guys. We really did. Mm. There were some, there were some months we suffered. Like Ian barely menace. made it through episode two without blood alcohol poisoning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I did I I did spend a night in the hospital, but everything's fine now. Doctor said I'll make a full recovery. <laughs> Look, guys, I actually think Attack of the Clones is the best prequel. For ironic viewing, I know, but yeah. for the rest of us. I actually think it's the best put together, too. I don't understand why everyone likes episode three the I best. I mean, when you compare it to The Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith, you might have a point, I guess. Or is that with? I mean, I can't make an argument for either of the other ones being better. Is that with or without the rip tracks in the background? Ooh. Without the rip tracks, dear. True. George Lucas does not get credit for the riff tracks. I kind of like cheat the system though because I watched all of Clone Wars and so I have a whole lot of emotion going into episode three. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah but that's fair. George Lucas also gets no credit for that. So, so I, I guess people who've watched the Clone Wars are just like the most highly advanced honey potters in the <laughs> fandom world. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they're professional yep, honey potters. Hey, if you liked what you just heard us talking about for the last two minutes, then you are in for a treat today. We are bringing you an all Star Wars episode, specifically everything The Last Jedi. You may have heard us talk about it on a segment on our last episode, a like 35 minute segment that was supposed to be 20. <laughs> Because uh, Gretchen and Joy and I had such strong feelings about it, but we wanted to dig in a bit deeper and also focus on some things that we weren't able to hit on with Ian and Zach, especially now that they've kind of watched everything straight through and have the whole franchise in mind. However, like we do, we're going to be starting out with fandom news because it's important to stay up on geeky things or something, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So... After we are recording this, the weekend after the Golden Globes happened, uh -huh. and, and that sure was a thing. Apparently, we have a new presidential candidate as a result of it. So, can we God. not talk about that? You might break me. Let's not talk about okay, it. Let's not. Let's talk about um, <laughs> how they did overall. I think a pretty good job keeping um, times up front and center, which was the campaign yeah. for um, the end of like sexual assault and sexual violence and, and the kind of discrimination that women are facing in Hollywood. Um, I would have liked that they asked more men on the red carpet about it. Um, but I mean, or maybe picked a color that, that men don't all wear anyway. 
Yeah. Just so that yeah. it was more of a like, statement. Let's do agree now. Well, then we can all judge the ones who are wearing white shirts with their tuxedos. I guess. I mean, the alternative was that they all do like a John Boyega and wear like a bright purple suit or something. <laughs> that would be awesome. I mean, John Boyega looks amazing in that purple suit. He looks amazing in anything, for being honest. <laughs> yeah, he can wear That's any true. color suit that he mm. wants. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. They, they kept it pretty front and center. Uh, On point for like, Star Wars, Not we have Natalie Portman. Yeah, yes. Natalie Space Grandma was uh, calling attention to the lack of female (laughs) director nominated. Like, there was no female directors nominated, um, which is kind of hilarious when you consider, like, the existence of Wonder Woman (laughs) and Lady Bird. So. Yeah. Right. And the best comedy, the the film that won for, like, best comedy. Yes. I've already, I'm spacing out on which one that was, but. Big Sick? No. No. Um, But the woman who directed that was not nominated. And then, and um Ladybird had a female director. Yep. Um and yeah. she wasn't nominated. Um yeah. I mean So it wasn't for lack of candidates. No, no. It was even not. given like something like eleven percent of directors are women or something like ridiculous it, it was like, like that. Four percent, Joya. <laughs> yep. It was like four percent of the movies that like represented had the female director. So people were like, "Oh, it's not discrimination." It's like, no, no, but that's even more of the point, you idiot. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there should be more fun. female directors. Um, hey, speaking yeah. of female and male directors, uh, Game of Thrones <laughs> announced their directors for their final season, season eight, which is thank God airing in twenty nineteen, not twenty eighteen. Um, I mean, is it too much to hope that by the time the last season airs, it'll just completely be irrelevant? It is. Yes. People will be bored. Yes. Uh, the the best use of my then perish meme so far is a friend messaged me, and he's he's a piece of crap in a lot of other ways, but he really loves Game of Thrones. And he messaged me like, I'm going to die. And so I sent him the then perish face. <laughs> Perfect. Well, so Benioff and Weiss are actually going to be directing the final episode what? Yeah. Oh. I, I missed that little detail. Uh-huh. Good luck to them. Yeah. Have they have have either of them ever no. directed before? Not to my oh. knowledge. And they're going to oh my gosh. they're going to direct what is basically a movie length action extravaganza. As far <sighs> as far as I know, but then um shock of all shocks, it's all dudes directing it again. It's been all dudes since season four? Yep. Yeah. And it's been an all-dude writer room since season five, I think. No, no, Michelle McLaren. No, it's been an all-dude writer's room since season four, and then season five on didn't have a female director. That's what it does, because Michelle yeah. McLaren... Because I mean, direct- the Rape yeah. Shack episode was directed by a yeah. woman. I remember that. Before she went detail. on to much better things. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so that is fine. I guess time's not up on Game of Thrones. I don't know where I was going with that, but... Why Why have diversity in your writer and director's room when you have a documented history of problems with women and writing them? Well, it's not like they've been punished for it in any way, so why not? And I mean, I mean they've said multiple times that it's not going – any kind of criticism that they get isn't going to change what they do. Yeah. Well, it's because the show's a success. If the show wasn't a success, maybe they'd be worried. Plausible impossibilities. <laughs> uh, Is that what on. female directors are on that show? Plausible impossibilities. <laughs> No, they're implausible possibilities. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, that's probably more correct. Hey, uh, more disappointing news, I guess. Uh, 
James Franco has been accused of sexual misconduct by five women. This was in the LA Times that I think, I think they broke it. Um, but this has been kind of like known for a while that he's a bit predatory. Um, and just kind of leverages his, his power, especially as an acting coach in this way. Uh, mm. then Mark, Mark Wahlberg, uh, also had to do reshoots for all the money because Kevin Spacey had to be recast in that. And while his co-star Michelle Williams basically took like a per diem amount and like, you know, basically didn't get paid very much at all, he leveraged for like another 1.5 million in reshoots oh or something like that. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, Michelle Williams uh, deserves him, I guess, so much more money than she like, gets. Yeah, yeah. Well. but we have like all good news after this, so let's. All right. Let's jump into that. Okay. I mean, James so, Franco getting nailed is a good thing, though. Yeah, he he need not in a sexy way. He needs oh, God. to be like, like actually like held like, accountable. Yes, like <laughs> nailed is in like a nail gun kind of way. <laughs> oh no! This is getting worse. Yeah, Can we continue? <laughs> um, I, no, I can give yeah. some exciting news. Please do. Um, so Valkyrie is coming to Marvel Comics. So for those of you who haven't seen Thor Ragnarok yet, uh, it's Tessa Thompson's character. Um, she's a badass. And she's coming to Marvel Comics in the Exile series. And she is, quote, a tanker-draining, maiden-wooing, giant-slaying thunderbolt of a woman Though she's not technically from the Marvel Cinematic Universe reality, she's basically the literalization of the larger-than-her-physical-frame swagger that Tessa Thompson displayed in Thor Ragnarok, turned up to 11, unquote. That which sounds- just sounds like everything I want. <laughs> you know, I was actually <laughs> thinking about Tessa Thompson the other day, because re- remember when there, whoever it was involved in the James Bond franchise was like, we could have a black man or a woman be the next James Bond and I'm thinking to myself, like, why can't Tessa Thompson just be James Bond? Oh my gosh, <laughs> she'd be amazing as James Bond. Wouldn't she? Because she's like, so, she'd be definitely physical enough, but it's that swagger, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of encapsulates it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I still haven't, I still haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, uh, but I'm pretty excited for this comic just because, uh, the creative team, uh, Saladin Ahmed, uh, he mm. writes the Black, the Black Bolt comic, and it, that's a really good one. And also the artist, uh, Javier Rodriguez from the Spider-Woman series. So that should be a pretty good book. Nice. With or with, I mean, that character is a great addition, but it would have been good without her. Right. Yeah. Cause it's like a team, um, like a superhero team fighting. Except like it's that, not just about Valkyrie. It's like a team of superheroes. Yeah. Except for the one member of the team is this like chibi cartoon Wolverine, which I don't really understand, but what? I'll give it the, the benefit ch- of the doubt. Like- it's like chibi wolf, like chibi wolverine, like tiny little wolverine. Like it's it's kind oh of my God. weird. Which, I'm yeah. picturing the the chibis from uh, Legend of Korra in that one episode <laughs> where they're on the map. Like it, he kind of looks like that though, just like little yeah. chibi wolverine. So, I guess but he's ca- I mean, I, yeah, I yeah, guess the character is canon from other comics, but I've never seen him before. So I mean, I maybe he'll be like Rocket from Guardians of the Galaxy, which could be kind of cool. If he had like that kind of role, as long but. as Marvel lets this one age a bit instead of like canceling it right away, like they did with the recent purges. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's coming in April, I believe. So a couple that months. Sounds, that sounds really cool, though. I want to check that out. Sounds awesome. 
Um, okay, more good wo- news. Oscar-winning Moonlight director Barry Jenkins has been. Uh, he's going to be has directing. attached. Yeah, he's going to be yeah, directing be- with the Black uh, Panther star Chadwick Boseman in Expatriate, which is an international thriller set around a 1970s plane hijacking. So the plane hijackings were like really the thing back then, I guess. <laughs> um, it sounds like a good like that's a good director actor combo though. Uh, right. So that will be exciting to see. Uh, and yeah, this was like just announced too. So very cool with that. Also, I didn't even know this existed. A Fahrenheit 451 teaser dropped because apparently that's going to be a movie in 2018. Oh my God, really? Oh. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> speaking that's speaking of trailers, can we, this is not on our outline, but can I just take a second to complain about the fact that Proud Mary is not getting any kind of press? It isn't. I have what, yet to see what a is single. Proud Mary. Oh my gosh! It is. Um, Taraji B. H- Taraji P. Henson is starring as like a hit woman for what? Um, like a crime card for like a crime boss, and then she like that... ends up interacting with like a young boy who changes her life. And I was oh, like, she'd um, be perfect for that, right? It came out so this week. It's it's like that Natalie Portman movie. What's it called? Oh, the Netflix one. No, the one that she was in when she was like twelve. Oh, the one v with for Vendetta. Uh, no, no, the one when she was like twelve. Oh, no, uh-huh. It was like there was a French guy. It's the professional, right? Yes. Yes. Right. So it's like that. But like, there's. I have it. It came out like yesterday. So oh, I yesterday it was still for coming us. Out. It's this week. It's this weekend. Is its opening weekend. Ooh. It is getting zero press, or maybe it might right. be next week, but it's getting zero press. I have yet to see a single trailer on TV. The only reason I know about it is because I saw a poster for it coming out of The Last Jedi and was like, oh, Taraji P. Henson's in a movie. I love her. I should look up what that is. And yeah, the only right, reason I know about it is because I follow Gretchen. Okay. <laughs> the only reason I know about it is because Gretchen just told me. So spread the word. I did see a trailer. I did see a trailer on Twitter because, um, there's a, a hashtag that I follow, and there's a lot of blurs, uh, black nerds, and they oh. some of them posted the trailer. So I did see the trailer yeah, for that, it, and I thought it looked pretty cool, but I had no idea when it was coming out. I'd never seen it before. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we should have we should have been seeing that and not Fahrenheit 451. We, no offense to Fahrenheit 451, yeah. but they were saying everybody excited about Black Panther. How come nobody's excited about this? Right. <laughs> That's a good question. Yep. Um, another thing to get excited about, potentially, Alan Cummings has been tapped to star in a new series called Instinct on CBS, where the main character, he is a gay man. Um, he's bisexual in real life. And according to him, it's, quote, the first ever network drama on American television to have a gay character that is a lead, which is, is that true? so depressing. Yes. Yep. <laughs> It's true. And um the the other thing too is that I think it was either him or the showrunner that was then quoted saying the show is not about him being gay. He just is gay. It is. Right. Yep. I love Alan Cummings. I will watch him in anything. Oh man. He stole my heart ever since he was Boris Grishenko and then <laughs> from I'm really excited about that though, because a lot of times if I try to like read like an independent webcomic about like some fantasy with gay characters it's always about their relationship which isn't a bad thing but sometimes you just want to you want something that has those characters in it but isn't about that exactly Uh, on the other on the other end on the not so good side of things nbc um in their musical drama rise decided to rewrite a gay character who is based on a real life human being as a straight man 
because if there's because one the director odd- said he wa- well because the director said he would relate to him better. You can't see it, but I'm face palming. The director would. Yeah, the director would relate to him, or better? the audience well, is. How can you relate to a ba- gay man if you yourself are straight? It's impossible. Uh, yeah. yeah it's, what's it's really bad. funny about this, too, is like, I'm sorry, but the musical theater audience is like, <laughs> <laughs> not one where you rewrite characters to be straight. What do you mean? I mean, no. not to, not to stereotype here. Um, there's also apparently another music, musical series. I hope Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is sparking this trend, but this is on ABC has closed a deal, uh, with, or at least a pilot commitment for an untitled music driven family drama series inspired by the musical legacy of Selena Quintel, Quintanilla. Um, so the the queen of Tejano music, and she's one of the most iconic Amer- Mexican American pop stars, and it's going to be complicated familial dynamics and music. Yeah, <laughs> I remember Edward James almost shot her. Oh wow! Yes. Yeah, I remember that yeah. from way back. Huh? Yeah. And then uh, the final bit of news. Hey, we actually got through our list for once without Julia yelling at us. Um, Hooray! Yeah, you have 39 seconds. This is just like a one-off that I I saw, but uh, Runaways was renewed for season two. That's the show on Hulu that is a Marvel show, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I I know things. Uh, I mean, mostly I just know that people I follow on Tumblr are really excited about two ladies on it. Yep. That are interacting Nico and Carolina. In, yeah, that are that are interacting in a non platonic way from what I can tell. So Well, I mean Yay. Carolina is literally like she's a, a lesbian, being right? made of rainbow light. Yeah. She's a lesbian <laughs> and she's lit no, she's literally like a being made of rainbow light. <laughs> that's like she bit. has rainbow powers and she's a lesbian and it's Well, that's on the nose. Not subtle at all. Yeah. That's sort of like the smoky quartz when she did her spin attack, she turned into a bi flag. Yes! Right! Oh, Steven Universe. <laughs> it's like Twilight Sparkle. Oh, no. Rainbow Dash. It's like Rainbow Dash. Either way, um, I, uh, our reviewer, Bo, has been very, like, frustrated by runways, being like, there's a lot of, you know, squandered potential, but I think all in all, giving it a season two is probably a good thing, just to see Well, now they're finally actually runaways now, from what I understand. Yeah, so it sounds like they, like, set it up, and then they can actually... Yeah. Be runaways. Together. Oh. Exactly. Yep. So yeah, th- that's the news. And now let's talk about Star Wars. Yes! <laughs> that voice. It broke new ground! Wasn't that one of Ronald Reagan's wacky plans? That oh was, gosh. yeah, it was, um, it was actually, it was supposed to be lasers that would, and I'm not making this up, if I remember correctly, this was in American history, it was lasers that would destabilize missiles as they came through the upper atmosphere. Yeah, it was an anti-missile oh. system. Yeah. And it that was, was the code name? Yeah, and it was. Yeah, the code name was Star Wars. And it was all. Or, just, I don't know if that was just what the media called. It. And it was all a scam, though, because it never worked. It had all kinds of troubles, and all it was, it was just a big scam to make the Russians spend more. Oh my god! Is that kind of like the Death Star? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> it's like the Death Star if the Death Star was created so that the rebels would like buy anti-Death Star technology. Oh. <laughs> 
Because suddenly Star Wars becomes an RTS. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. I was just reading the Star Wars propaganda book, which, Kylie, you should definitely 100% read. Um, it's so cool. It's so cool, but it's all, it's very meta and it's all about like, um, art within the Star Wars universe. But there were several moments where they were talking about like bureaucracy. And I was like, oh man, Kylie needs to read this because <laughs> it's got Star Wars bureaucracy. <laughs> that is the biggest missed opportunity of Rogue One. And I'm so mad that we didn't explore more imperial bureaucracy. <laughs> we, we, I mean, we had a project administrator, so that's something, but. Right. <laughs> Um, anyways, I still want to know like what like what all those people in the Death Star do. Like, what are their jobs? Like, there has to be somebody whose designated job is cleaning up the bathrooms, like the Death Star janitor. Yeah, that that was that was Finn. Um, we discussed this. Um, I want to see the guy who has the Excel spreadsheet that's tracking expenses. Oh, Sector B has spent thirty thousand credits on food this month. Who's smuggling? <laughs> What about, like, Death Star, like, cafeteria lady? <laughs> well, this is... Hey, all those people died. This is why I like the, um, Arl Knott's take on it, where it's just a giant la- laser tag and entertainment system, and laser they've moon. got, like, yeah, it's laser moon, and as they, like, come up... You know, they have malls in there. Yeah, and they've got one like, of those, like... People have to buy their stylish outfits. As they fly in, it's like, welcome to laser moon, we have two levels of shopping, and, like, all that stuff, and that's always what I think of. Can you imagine, like, like they have, like, a little rave dance club right in the middle of the Death Star's, like, dish. Like, so when oh that gosh. thing shoots off, it lights the whole place up. Oh my gosh. And it only, like, went off, like, three times, I think. Oh, but that's okay. kind of a shitty rave. Anyway, <laughs> that's the original trilogy. We're going to talk, talk about, about the, the last... Trilogy. Yeah, we're going to talk about the sequel trilogy. We're talking about The Last Jedi. In which, in which, there are no giant super weapons. Oh my gosh, you guys. Wait, did the you only watch giant super weapon is like my love for it. Yeah. Thank God. There's there's oh. no new Death Star. Yes. I mean, well, they still we'll... had the the new thing of the fleet killer, which is a dreadnought, but yeah, that's a whole step down from a planet, right? It, like being able to blow and that up ship a was whole fucking ship, ter- like yeah. that, I, I I found that ship scarier than a Death Star. Like just like its design, I thought it was pretty fucking freaky. Is that the one at the it beginning with cool. the bombing run, or yeah. the the yeah. big yeah. ship with the, the two big cannons? And according to the visual dictionary, the cannon that they use at the end on crate, the what the um the one that they're trying to use to bust open the mine, is just like a scaled down version of the big giant weapons on the dreadnought. Oh, that's smart. I feel like there was a line in the movie that said that. Uh, oh, it was Death Star. Yeah, it's like it's Death Star technology. Yeah, miniaturized Death Star technology. Right, because they uses kyber crystals. They use like fragments of kyber crystals to like power those weapons. That's why they're so powerful. Which are the same things in the um, in the lightsabers. In the right. lightsabers. Yeah. I'm not a huge Star Wars nerd. What are you talking about? <laughs> I remember that episode of the Clone Wars where the kids went to the planets to find their crystals, and they all had like freaky vision quests. Yes, yep. I loved that yeah. episode. That was the one with <laughs> David Tennant in it. No, wait. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was. Was he the robot? He was, yeah, he was the robot. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I am so lost right now. Um, <laughs> you have to go watch Clone throw Wars. that out there. So tune in for Fundamentalist next season when we all watch the Clone Wars. <gasps> we should. Oh, you'll never, you'll never get, make and me do it. And then we should it, watch Rebels. Then I'll have to reconsider the prequels, and I won't do that. <laughs> just, just, pre- just pretend that the prequels don't exist, and still watch them because you're missing like my favorite character. 
You're missing Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tano. Tano. She's the best. She's literally the best thing. Uh, um, is she a dutiful princess? And she I don't ton- know. There is a dutiful princess. There is a dutiful princess. It's not Ahsoka Tano. Um, but yeah. Ahsoka, and she's yeah. totally sleeping with Obi Wan. Yeah. But Ahsoka should totally have been in the Last Jedi, which is what we're talking about. Uh, we need. To- <laughs> oh my gosh, guys! This is going to be something. Like we have, I have been salivating for this. As soon as you guys said, "Hey, can you come record?" I was like, "I get to gush with Star Wars people." Yes. <laughs> All the Star Wars. So, oh, man. We mm-hmm. kind of had talked a little bit about why we were gushy last episode. I think this episode we can crack open into into more of it and some analysis even yeah. on the podcast because we're professions. <laughs> and I th- I think one thing, and I was actually talking to uh, Frankie about this, one of our former contributors, and she was she was kind of bringing up like, what the hell is the deal with? that line that Luke had at the end when he was like the I like I won't be the last Jedi why it wasn't part of the point of the movie we're moving away from the Jedi the Jedi do need to die so that countered it a bit so really what's the title about what's the Jedi-ness about why are we clinging to the concept of Jedi and how does that fit into the larger themes and legacy of this movie well The Star Wars titles have been kind of fast and loose with what they depict in some ways. Like, The Return of the Jedi, we only have one left at the end of the story, and we don't really see any... We know, we assume, because Yoda tells him, Pass on what you have learned. So, like... <laughs> if, if if anything, actually, it was like Jedi replacement value of that movie, because Yoda dies and then Luke's like there. So. Yes. It wasn't like a wasn't really a big return. Yeah, it was just like what was it? Mark Hamill said if if somebody asked him, "Is Luke Skywalker the most powerful Jedi?" And he said, "Well, he's the only one." So yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's Mark being Mark. <laughs> I love Mark Hamill. He's literally, he he's literally the best. Like he, I just love him so much. He's great. He started a new podcast where he reads Donald Trump tweets as the Joker. It's wonderful. Oh, they're amazing. <laughs> yeah. But his performance in this movie was pretty standout, not going to lie. So good. Yeah, I love Bitter Old Men. <laughs> I kind of do, though. Yeah. No, I, I was being sincere. <laughs> I love Bitter Old Men. And he was so, like... Tenzin. And he was Tenzin. He was totally Tenzin. He was totally Tenzin from from Legend of Korra. Was this website founded on just like it was all the Legend of Korra fans got together and said, "Hey, you're a fan, I'm a fan. Let's talk about other things and how Legend of Korra relates to them." Believe it or not, it was more Game of Thrones distaste that was the <laughs> yeah. commonality. Yep, I I didn't I hadn't even watched Legend of Korra when I started writing. Yeah, and then I wouldn't stop talking about it. So she's like, I'm not going to understand anything that Kylie says. (laughs) Well, I I think, okay, so to bring us back to the topic, um, I think that, like, the idea is that, like, the Jedi will always be reborn in some way, right? And, like, Luke used to think that was a bad thing, but by the end of the movie, he doesn't necessarily believe that anymore. Because really all you need to be something, like, some form of Jedi is a connection to the Force, right? Yeah, that was one of the cool things. That he said. Yeah, like like inevitably, the Jedi will return 
and inevitably the Sith will return. And that's what got him so down. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the cool things that he said was that the light side of the force is always there. So to say yeah. that the Jedi have the sole monopoly on it is arrogance. Yeah. And that, yeah, I like that line. That was, to say that to say that if the Jedi and the light side dies is arrogance. Like that yeah. was such a great point. Um I mean and the same is true for the Sith because there canonically there are currently no Sith lords. There were nope. no It's kind of like Rava and Vatu. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there is like a a really interesting like correspondence there. Um it's got a very like yin yang feel to it like in this movie. Um, because, I mean, one, you have the very, you have the, the visual of the mosaic on the floor of the Jedi Temple, which is literally just like an adaptation of the yin yang, where you have like the, um, the guy in the middle, and then you have the white on one side with a little black dot, and then the black on one side with a little white dot. Yeah. Um, but I think there, there is a theme, I think, emerging of that kind of, you know, the balance between right. the light and the dark, cause like, it's almost meta-y. Like, the prequels kind of ruin the Jedi as a concept. Yep. Because we just kind of discovered there are a bunch of assholes who, like, sit in a room and think about not having sex. Well, that was, I thought, (laughs) that was another part of that story of the prequels was a very nuanced story told with absolutely no skill. Was that the Jedi (laughs) were originally supposed to be, like, they have this, like, mythology around them. They're this great thing. But when you look back on them, they're just this very bloated, stagnant bureaucracy. and. This is this might the thing that the prequels kind of did, and you think that they didn't intend to do this, is that they made the argument that maybe the Republic and the Jedi both deserved to be destroyed. Yeah, right. You right. Know, like, like, like that's something that had to happen, and maybe like an evil empire wasn't the best way to could have been replaced, but but it was going to happen. Like, you know that 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 yeah that it didn't come out of nowhere. Like you know it's not just Palpatine going <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and and Luke's not wrong. He has that whole line in, exactly. in the film about how like. The Jedi created Darth Vader and the Jedi, like, and he's not wrong. Like, were it not yeah. for the Jedi teaching, especially like the Jedi teaching about non-attachment, um, we wouldn't, you wouldn't get Darth Vader without the Jedi teaching. Because the exactly. whole, like, Darth Vader, there's this awesome video which we should link about, um, about the Jedi Order and making the argument that, like, um, toxic masculinity is like the real enemy of the Star Wars prequels. Um, especially oh, like yeah. stoic toxic masculinity, the idea that like men aren't allowed to feel unless those feelings are like anger. Um, and then they push that anger like outward and, um, lash out with it, which is exactly what we see with Darth Vader. And so Luke's not wrong when he says like the jet, well, the Jedi created Darth Vader. And that's part of his argument that the Jedi need to end. But like Ray is also not wrong when she says, well, but a Jedi saved Darth Vader. And I think that's kind of the point. Of like, yeah, we need to shed what is bad about the Jedi while retaining what was good about them. I think they would. I think they would be well suited in the next movie to have the new Jedi, well, the new light side wielders founded by Rey and General Organa as new Jedi. They have a new name. Mm. Yes. Yeah, that's I what I. Cool. That's what I'm getting. Like, why are we clinging to the name Jedi for this? Right. What? <laughs> And like, to top the it all, order has to not exist anymore. Right. To top it all off, what they might even do is Ray is going to rebuild Anakin's lightsaber, and it'll be a different color. It'll be a non-Jedi color, maybe white. Yes, yes, like mm. Ahsoka's. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes, like Ahsoka's. Ahsoka had two lightsabers. Somebody, yeah, but they were white. <laughs> I, I read somewhere a, a speculation about the the um, 
the Anakin Skywalker lights are being ripped in half and then maybe possibly being made into two and incorporating her staff in some yes. way. Yes! Ooh, that'd be so cool. God, oh yes! God. A saber spear. A lightsaber the spear. A small lightsaber like, actually could work for Rey. <gasps> yeah, the, like the double-ended one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be so good. But maybe she styles it after Kylo Ren and has two like little crossbars. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't want Ray to style anything after uh, that guy. Well, that's actually that's actually a really good transition because one of the other things we wanted to talk about was Ray because we like we didn't really talk about Ray in when you know the three of us were talking and because we were gushing like, about Rose. I know. Well, and like Ian and Zach and I didn't really talk a whole lot about Ray in our review like that we that went up today. <laughs> She's on... the protagonist. Don't worry about it, guys. How did it go up? <laughs> Um, yeah, it went up today, and, like, we talked a little bit about Ray, but not like as she, much. So, yeah, yeah let's talk like, about Ray. <laughs> Ray nobody? That was, that was one of my favorite parts, was they threw that back in the mm-hmm. fanboys' faces. It was just like, Ray has to be a Skywalker. No, she ain't. Yeah, it took the, it took the elitism out of it. It's like, anybody. Yeah. It, it could happen anywhere. Yeah, it, and it definitely did that. They doubled down on that with the little boy at the end, too. I think mm-hmm. my favorite part too is that like um you know 2015 20 early 2016 discourse had been like people being Ray Skywalker is too obvious it's clearly Ray Solo and like just all these or is or Ray, Ray Kenobi. Kenobi yeah and it's like all these exceeding like we have to have a name we know it's like no yeah. no and this is another kind of very I I, pro- I suspect conscious rejection of what the prequels did because the prequels had that old kind of like you know in Mac- uh, that virgin birth with the midichlorians oh, weirdness God. yeah Anakin is a child which was of just the like that was just it's just like a little bit too far into space Jesus territory you know just like <laughs> yeah. bring it back just a little bit George Lucas has always tried to say like oh this is a story about the Skywalker family and this is this movie kind of took it away from that yeah. I mean, well, I mean, Kylo Ren is still there. He's he's yeah, a Skywalker, yeah, he's technically, there. right? But yeah, yeah but he says, now. "Let the past die." So he is consciously rejecting his Skywalkerness. Um, guys, there is another Skywalker. Yes, but she doesn't use that last name. She so. is the she is the Organa. She is the monolith family. called Organa. Yep, exactly. She, yeah. For some reason, she doesn't want to be associated with her father's name. The yeah, Skywalker nephew is the villain. <laughs> I have a feeling yes. that. Oh yeah. yeah. There's, do they ever say Ben Solo in the films? They okay. do. Yes. Damn it. I really like Which the idea stupid. of being Ben Organa. Ben Organa. Because, because I'm pretty sure that Han took Leia's name. Yes. Why do people take names now? I don't think Han took a name. I don't think Leia left <laughs> if, yeah. if anyone was, was going to take anyone's name. People might think I like you. When they ask if he's yeah. when they ask if he's the Han Solo, he says it used to be. So. Yes. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be, but now I'm Han Organa. <laughs> I feel like that—that's my—that's my maiden name. Does <laughs> <laughs> so he growl that out? No, I mean, but Kylie's right. Leia wouldn't let him because then people might think that she actually likes him. <laughs> <laughs> just keep this boundary. No, um, no, but just like I'm—I can't stop thinking about like Han Solo being like, "That's my maiden name." Like just like like <laughs> but, like under his breath, just like. <laughs> That's my maiden name, kid. Right? Oh my gosh, I love. Yeah, but um, I agree that like this was a very good decision and quite a brave one. Yeah, just to make. But then, of course, not everyone is convinced that it's true. Well, they can go lump it. 
There is Sorry? there is space within the narrative they gave us for it to be a lie. Mm-hmm. Or a But why would it be a lie? Right, that's like the, the question. Like, the is there any cave, value in their in it being a lie? The Force Cave told her that she just has to rely on herself and not her past. Right. Yeah. He- here's the thing. Like, her parentage matters to her, like her character. So unless it's someone she knows and well, has a relationship with, what, like, I just don't see it adding anything. If, like, because right. the thing is that she she's always had this sense that like you know she's special she's better like she's she's more than like you know the life she had as a scavenger with on quarter rations or whatever it was, and like she doesn't though she believes that it's it has to be because you know she has she comes from someone special from someplace special but no it's just because she's awesome that's the only reason does she I. I don't know that I don't know that she has that sense though. I always got the impression like she she wanted to find her family not because she believes she's something special, but just because like she doesn't want to be alone, mm-hmm. like and believes that they're coming back for her. Like she, I don't think that Ray cares about having a special identity. I think the fandom cares about Ray having a special identity. I think Ray just wants to know who she is. It doesn't matter who. She just wants to know that someone cares about her, like and loves yeah, her and, and is the- coming back for her. They had that big moment in The Force Awakens when they come to rescue her from the base. And right. She's like amazed that's that what Ray came wants. back for her. Yeah, yeah. And there was Ray that wants. moment with Poe right at the end where he says he's heard of her. And she has that. I That was a pretty. I thought that was the moment of she realizes that there's people there who care about her. Right. Yep. Right. That's, that's the rejection of what when Tyler tells her, like, you don't have a place in this. You don't matter in this, but you matter to me, which is abuser speak 101 but then yeah. there's mm-hmm. a direct rejection of that with how the people of the resistance feel about her mm-hmm. and how she has sort of ripped her own place into existence in right. this narrative yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a very Cora-esque way if that's I do even, say so <laughs> that's almost even a meta kind of thing because as the female Everything protagonist she had yep. to fight for acceptance from the fandom yeah she really did and, and so much of that, is- I think, was predicated upon the assumption that she was somebody. Or at least there's a level yeah, of that. Exactly. For the fandom. Right. And what that, I like, like we can accept it- her if she's we'll like her more if she has a legacy name. Like that's mm-hmm. that's what will prove that she's worth paying attention to. They don't want her to be a scholarship protagonist. <laughs> and what I, I love about this movie is it's Ray trying to go through that normal hero's monomyth yeah. beats and trying to be Luke Skywalker only to realize like, okay, Luke is just some weird hermit milking this like <laughs> horrifying creature <laughs> and like Kylo can't be redeemed. So I'm just going to do this myself because like, yeah. <laughs> what? Right. I'm just going to, I'm just going to like, yeah. She grabbed all the self-help books The people and can actually make a difference. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I've seen people make the argument that like she follows Luke's beats. Therefore she's Luke's daughter. I'm like, or, Ugh. or the point is that like she follows Luke's beats, but then gets to the end of it and is like, yeah, that's not who I am. Actually, I'm going to make different choices. Cause she and does. Like she makes, she world. makes similar yeah. choices to Luke for a while. But then when, I mean, you could put it in the words of like when Kylo Ren doesn't want to play the Darth Vader to her Luke Skywalker, she's like, Okay, fine. Whatever. Like, that's not my story anyway. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to go help my friends and we're going to leave and we're going to start the resistance and that's what I'm going to do. Which is, you know, 
like she she reached the end of like Luke's arc in Return of the Jedi in this movie. She like reached the end of Luke's arc. Yeah. And Va- and the Vader That's a really good Yeah, point. the Vader-esque character was like, "Yeah, no." And she was like, "Oh. Okay, fine." Like <laughs> and then <laughs> goes her own way. Like she's no longer following Luke's arc anymore. She has her own story now. She can do whatever she wants. Like and mm-hmm. I think that's great. It is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about like last time how there's the kind of like the whole thing about how the legacy characters, as far as you can say, they're kind of like trapped in their old patterns, mm-hmm. right? And and the new characters are the ones that are breaking out of that. Like Luke is like trapped in this kind of like, you know, the Jedi kind of, you know, being weird ass hermit assholes Whoa. pattern. And Han was stuck. Like he was always like, you know, he was like, you know, in his 70s, he was back to being a smuggler. <laughs> And, like, Leia's fighting this, like, never-ending, unwinnable war. We, and it's just, like, it's the same kind of, like, hero's journey stories over and over and over for them. You could say that Luke went back to being, like, a, a random-ass, farmer-esque character on Tatooine. It's just he's on a water <laughs> That's world. true. Like, he's literally back it's where true. we found him at the beginning of A yeah. New Hope. He's just, like, living in the middle of nowhere, has zero connection to the Force that he's aware of. Like, he doesn't have a connection to the Force is unconnected from any kind of family, just, like, living on his own, doing whatever stuff he does all day other than drinking green milk. Drinking blue milk. Yeah. Right? Like, he's basically – like, they. you're right. Like, they all – all three of them kind of went back to who they were when we first met them. And in a way, yeah. that's also even a meta-commentary on the Jedi themselves. Like, Yoda, when he lost yeah. the fight with Darth Sidious, instead of saying, hey, I'm going to keep on fighting for the galaxy, he said, nope, I'm going to peace out to this planet and never talk to anyone again. Yep. Well – I think that you can just say that's bad writing, but okay. Well, dear, him being on Dagobah is canonical in the- I know, but is that really the best they could do for getting him there? Like, I'm gonna take this egg there and stay there for the next 20 years. I mean- Oh my god, the egg. <laughs> Where did that egg even come from? Why was there an egg ship on Kashyyyk? That doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Why was he, like, overseeing the Wookiee front of the war? I don't Because Wookiees. Because he's BFFs with the Wookiees. There was, even, there was going to be a whole arc of the Clone Wars of Yoda being friends with the Wookiees. We had to have that one scene was of him there? saying, Hi, Chewbacca, because everything has to be connected. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. I was actually... I was actually talking with a friend about why the merits of the sequel trilogy are better than the prequel, because I have friends like that. And they... You need better friends. <laughs> I didn't know people like that existed. So, oh. Anyway, continue. So what happened was one of them was telling me that it isn't connected to the old, to the prequel trilogy that much. And I said, no, it was that the, the new trilogy isn't connected that much to the old trilogy because it's telling its own story instead of furthering the story of the original trilogy. And I, as a counter to that said, well, think about the prequels. They have no narrative function outside of setting up the original trilogy. Yeah. Yep. If you think about it, what is, what is the... Well, the prequels. Right, yeah, the prequels. So the original trilogy's central theme is love redeems and there is hope. What is the central theme of prequels? Everything sucks and the Jedi are corrupt and bloated? Like, if you there was no Jesus. Right, that like what is the theme? Um, don't let space hippies lead a war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Love will turn you into a genocidal monster. You can't be a senator and have a boyfriend <laughs> or else you will doom the galaxy. 
<laughs> she'll fire me if I'm pregnant. Why? That's still my favorite thing. The Naboo are really puritanical. Like, that's why her mother and sister were wearing those outfits. <laughs> and see, the thing is, I find the sequel trilogy to be a very relevant trilogy to now. Obviously, it's being produced now, so that makes sense. But I mean, it's even like a bit more forward than I see other films being. Like, right. if I can bring it back to Ray for just a minute, her arc is basically trying to go through the beats of what's been successful for men in her position before her and then being like, okay, no, I have to make my own path and I have to create the world that like like the path of the Jedi or light force users or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. that makes sense to me and the situation now that's different. And then and it's also she, it's also kind of rejecting that dichotomy between the light and the dark. Yes. That there's new was so central in the original and the prequel and prequel trilogies where like you know, like she went to the dark place, yet like she's not automatically evil somehow because it's not a switch that you can turn on and no, off. And then, and then her the the antagonist is her foil and is basically mm-hmm. just the embodiment of white male entitlement, <laughs> who was is literally like a prince when you think about it. If yeah, if yeah. Leia's royalty still means anything. Well, even like you know, he he'd be like he's like. Yeah, well, he grew up in a position of incredible privilege. Yeah, because like his parents are both like very powerful war heroes, and his uncle is yeah. like space pope, and, well, and yeah, and he was basically told like this is the greatness you're destined to achieve, mm-hmm. and you know because he's got like I guess a major moral failing. Uh, no, but it's Ray. You know the her, her parents were nobodies, and she's the one that's just like okay, this is what I'm doing and, and this is what it has to be. And, you know. Yep. Yeah, it's just, you know, I just think it's a very, like, relevant narrative yep. to be telling yep. right now. And I'm not saying it's told perfectly at all. Um, Not at all. You know, we were talking last last podcast about how there's certainly a lot of discomfort with how the characters of color were scripted, particularly with, mm-hmm. like, Finn getting, like, slapped around literally yep. every scene. Yep. And then, like, um, Poe's plot being more or less just being put in place by a white woman. There's just, Multiple you know, white women. I think... Yeah. No, I honestly, like, I think if it were just yeah. one, it would feel less um problematic. Yeah, and there's like just a, a history a of that old, dynamic, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, absolutely. <clears throat> um, but I still find – it's like – it's empowering, like Ray's arc specifically, too. I, You know, it's a – at the end of the day, we're talking about a Disney film. I don't know how much, like, tools this is putting in our hands. But it's still something that we don't see a ton of in filmmaking in Hollywood. Like, right. female protagonists are still kind of novel, which is crazy. Especially in action movies. Yeah. Mm. The fact that we're seeing a female protagonist who is literally carving out her own sense of identity and role, yep. that's, like, all the more, you know, relevant. Right. And it is a lot like Cora because, like, she's yes. given... Like, she starts out the story with, yeah, like, a very much a, like, oh, well, we'll just give you the same story that we give a male character in this position... And then at, you know, a certain point in the movie, she just decides, like, no. Like, I'm more like, I've tried that, and it didn't really work, so I'm going to do Hero my way. And it didn't really work specifically because, like, the franchise has discovered that the world is more complicated than that. Right, right, mm. right. And what I what I loved about the whole – and, you like, going back to what you said about the light and dark side, because I think that's a huge part mm. of um, something that – 
I'm not seeing a lot of people talking about. And it may just be because people are um, more familiar with extended materials, but um, the prequel and the original trilogy really do paint the light and dark side in very, very stark terms. Yeah. Like, there is nothing valuable about the dark side. The only, only good things come from the light side. Only bad things come from the dark side. And, like, it's, like, I hate to use it as, like, a pun, but, like, it's very black and white. Like, dark side bad, yeah. light side good. There is no And nuance. also, it's so, it's so, like, absolutist. Like, you make, like, one right. misstep. And, like, you know, like, Anakin makes one misstep and then you're like, okay, I might as well turn to the dark side entirely then. Well, yeah, because Yoda doesn't, you know, isn't like, it Yoda? Or I can't Once remember. you start down the dark yes. dark yeah. path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Consume you, it will. Right? Which is like, <laughs> if you make a mistake, sorry, you're fucked. You're going to be mm-hmm. dark side forever. Um... But, like, what... And that's, like, the mistake Luke made again with, with Ben slash Kylo. Right, was, like, the belief You that- know, like, he saw, he saw, like, you know, he saw that he was, like, troubled or whatever, teenage angst, and he's just, like, there's only one way this can go. Like, it's too late. Right. Um, but what we see with Rey, especially in that scene where she, um, where she has her, where she connects to the Force and goes to the dark, um, like, mm-hmm. what we can take away from that is, like, there is, I mean, it goes back to that imagery of, like, the mosaic of, like, there is, we can learn something from the dark side. Like, the dark side, there is knowledge. There, You can take something from the dark side that is useful and not be dominated mm-hmm. by it. And even, and and like, even like, when they're – You get the, the impression. And the corollary is also true. Like, even in the darkest mm-hmm. places, there is still potential for, like, finding light and good and beauty – like you see with someone like Vader who decided like that's what the yin yang right, symbol exactly. means like that's literally what it means and like you get the um you get the impression that this is something that once upon a time the jedi knew right right because this is like a jedi place so like they've just forgotten that they've forgotten that the, that that the force is about balance mhm exactly and they they develop this kind of like theology of absolute sin like yeah. which g also is very it? relevant to like religious mm-hmm. current religious conversation you don't say <laughs> it's almost like this whole movie it's, is like meta on like so many levels it really is it's like it's like they took this this uh foundation and then they added this weird concept of heaven and hell to it and people are yeah. like, what is that you know where that leads mm. mixed dancing yep <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> but yeah that whole i mean balance is a huge running theme in the whole movie like everyone talks about failure which is another major theme of the film but i think they kind yeah. of go hand in hand hey, guys guess what other piece of media has balance as the central theme <laughs> Oh my gosh. Actually, like, um, the original, the original, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender was very heavily influenced by Star Wars. Like, you can kind of see the beats of the three Star Wars movies and the three books and everything. Mm. So, it's not a stupid comparison. It's not just because Kylie happens to be obsessed with it. I, no, I think it's a really apt comparison. Yeah. And I do think that there's, like, Griffin and I will co-write this at some point about how this is exactly the legend of Korra. <laughs> I mean, there's even the scene where they're in the swamp, sort of like Dagobah, where Korra goes to the wise old, master mm-hmm. the yeah. wise grumpy master i don't think cora ever carried toph around though i'm sure she could but i don't think she ever did <laughs> no, she totally could. Totally no but toph was basically like you think the world needs you the world doesn't need you mm-hmm. yeah and cora's like well you suck <laughs> <laughs> seriously guys you better come show. save your family later and be awesome again Speaking of things that, that suck, like? though, Kylo Ren. Oh, my gosh. Like, he's an awful person, but I love him. <sighs> he's a great yeah. villain. No, but, like, it's, but uh, I mean, it's the same thing that happened in the last movie. 
I, he's a great character, but like the fandom ruins him. That's why I don't go into the fandom. I just talk yeah. to you guys. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, like what they did with him in the last movie was so good, so and what they did with him in this movie was like even better. Yep. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I was sort of half and half on him after the Force Awakens, but I'm. I, I love him as a villain now. I love that he is yeah. supreme leader Ren now. Yes. <laughs> like, what I, what I so love great. is the first the first thing that Snoke did was like take off that stupid mask, you stupid oh, poser. Yeah. <laughs> I just love amazing. that now it's I just love that now it's Kylo Ren and Hux and they hate each other and they're supposed to leave oh this gosh. first order. Like you it's know, gonna they be great watching them self destruct. <laughs> they were actually the second most popular ship that came out of the Force Awakens. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah it was Storm Pilot and Kylex. Yep, and then Raylo, <laughs> and then Raylo. But, but uh, the hands down the best delivered line of the Last Jedi was Kylo Ren when he sees the Millennium Falcon, and he's like, "Shoot that ship out of the sky!" And he's just like screaming and every. But what about sh- shoot every weapon we have in that man? Do you think you got him? Do you think he's dead? <laughs> Well, I love, I love Finn. I think it was Finn's line that came after that, where he's like, oh, "They hate that ship." Yep, yep. Oh man, I like. I could watch quite a lot of just like Hux and Ren, like bickering with each other about the best way to be evil. Like, and they're just so bad at it. It reminds me of like. Have, did you any of you guys ever see that Star Wars crack video where it was like the Skywalker men being extra set to the Cantina song? Yes. No, but that sounds perfect. Yes. No, it's like, it's just Anakin, a bit of Luke, and then Kylo just like over the top with their emotions. You know how the Skywalker men are, yeah. especially Anakin. Yeah. He's Muffled just screaming like... from the next room. <laughs> yep. I will, I will it's say so one of my, one of my small disappointments in the film is that when Kylo Ren did the like cape swoop, that Luke did not do a matching cape swoop and be like, bitch, this is how it's done. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I wanted it so bad. I will say, like, I like as soon as like Kylo Ren was like, you know, throwing off his robe. I was like, come on, Luke, you gotta, you gotta show him how it's done, and he didn't. No, I'm, 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 think, I'm very disturbed now. But how can like force projection hologram Luke get like dust on his shoulders that he shakes off in a badass fashion? He, oh, for God's he didn't sake. even get any dust he on didn't. his shoulders though. It was a gesture. Like he was per. Yeah. Uh, well, he did hold Leia's hand and give her a thingy. So confused. I mean, alternatively, it could be just that Luke really liked his clothes, so he invested in, like, repulsor lift technology to just keep his clothes immaculate all the time. He he would, though. And I mean, like, <laughs> Darth Vader did it in Rogue One. Like, he had his cape billowing in the vacuum of space. Like, they yeah. they do it. Yep. Yeah, Luke inherited that concern with it. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, he... He made himself look like the last time he saw Kylo Ren. That's fair. But also, he just wanted to look glam for his final <laughs> showdown with his nephew and to see his sister. Like, come on. Pop, I mean, she changed her Gucci. hair. He had to, he had to step it yeah. up. He had to get his hair <laughs> trimmed and a dye job. Best that's rose. the real Skywalker legacy. That's why That's why Luke almost killed Ben. He saw Ben wearing socks and sandals in the future. <laughs> and high-waisted so pants. He, he saw the high-waisted <laughs> pants! <laughs> okay, so that's my new headcanon. That's what Luke saw! 
he said death and destruction to those he loved. I think that's a pretty accurate description. <laughs> I was just saying. Okay, but what? Okay, what you what you guys aren't hearing is that before we started recording, we had this whole discussion about the high waisted pants because they're absurd. About Ben Swolo. Yeah. <laughs> have you I seen think they look pretty the flash. Star Wars Battlefront Two game? They actually made a mod for him to have like for him to be shirtless. Oh my gosh. And the funny thing that is, I don't think you guys like understand like like Kylo is self conscious about his like little like you know pouch in his belly, so he wears the high waisted oh. pants so he can show off his pecs oh. and not have to worry about his belly kind of flopping. That was an extremely worrying pause right there. <laughs> I don't. Know. I was like, where I are we child, Okay, I got a little belly thing going on. Okay, <laughs> but like I I heard that Kylo Ren was shredded that he had an eight pack. Oh my god. So why does he have to wear high waisted pants? I, I don't know how much more evidence you need for him being insecure about his belly, but okay. That's, you know what that is? He's vain though about that. He's like Skywalker. He knows Luke had abs for days growing up, mm, and he doesn't want yeah. to show that he doesn't have what it. What has happened to this podcast? We used to be respectable. Um, when were when. we ever respectable? Star Wars. Has <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I'm still confused as to when we were ever respectable. Here's a question uh, that I do have, though, about Kylo Ren, is what precipitated his fall? Like, Luke says he sees these awful visions, and in the last one, Han says that he has too much Vader in him. So mm-hmm. what does that mean? Don't get me started on that, please. Like we, like, we know from the prequels that Anakin Skywalker fell because he was an emotionally crippled child soldier who fell in love and couldn't process his feelings of losing someone. Yep. So instead, mm-hmm. he killed everyone. So like, well, I, I I suspect that that uh, young Benny had um, quite a few expectations placed on him. Yeah, he oh, also so has he's like, canonical he... daddy and mommy issues. Because mm-hmm. probably because of those expectations. And from what we know, um, in like the novels and stuff, Snoke was preying on him when he was like a like barely an it like just over an infant. Like from the basically from the moment that like from what I understand, from the moment men could like. Ben could form coherent thoughts and things he, like Snoke was trying to get to him. So he had years worth of like, you know, manipulation, emo- like and, subtle emotions. Are you sure it wasn't just his mother's jeans? I don't mean her high-waisted jeans. Leia wears mom her mom's jeans. Um, <laughs> that's, that's where Ben gets it from. She has them under her dress. Yep. Um... No, it's not her genes. So he inherited his. Well, that's what Han thinks. He inherited his grandfather's uh, easily manipulating gene. Yeah. Where so, someone alludes vaguely to being able to save your loved ones, then you go dark right away. But like you're right, like you're right, Zach. They haven't mm-hmm. actually explicated why he fell. Certainly not in the movies. Um, yeah, I think that might just be because he's the antagonist, and his story isn't nearly as important as Which is true. That is true, and I can definitely appreciate that aspect of the film in that there isn't mm-hmm. really time for it. Mm-mm. And he ne- he ha- he has now definitively chosen his role as a villain rather than a tragic victim. Like, he is still a tragic victim, but instead of choosing to fix himself when Ray gives him the opportunity, he just jumps deeper in the hole. Right. Because he's got entitlement. But it does now that now they now that I'm thinking about it, it does raise the question when you think about how he framed um what had the situation with him and Luke. What he says is and he had no idea I mean, this is entirely his interpretation. He says, Luke sensed my power. Mm-hmm. And basically, like 
Ben frames it as Luke was jealous, so he wanted to kill me, which says something about his psychology that like Ren thinks yeah. of things in terms of power. Yeah, and that's his how own had potential to it and- for power. Is, you know what it is. You know what what the allegory is. Is he is someone who got like radicalized on an internet forum. Yep, that's a really good. Oh. Like, mm-hmm. it's a really good analogy. Kind of, yep. Yeah, and I mean, you know. The first order is not very subtly space Nazis. Like that's yep. what it is. That's what that's what space the imagery is. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're the alt right. Yep. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, so, yeah, the imagery is very there. And uh, so, like, there's there's a personal responsibility aspect to this too. So yeah, he was preyed on and influenced, and maybe he could have come to realize that and mm-hmm. pushed towards being a more empathetic person, but he didn't. Mostly because he felt. Like, he was justified in everything he was doing. You know, his his dad was an absentee father. So, okay, like, he killed him. And, th- and that's what you do. You, you kill the past if you have to. And, and power is the most important thing to this. And, and he just, you know, he's so steeped in that mentality that he, he's the villain for that reason. Right. And you can still have this tragic, even understandable past, but it's your choices that make you villainous. Right. Cause like, what, what does he do when he finds out that Snoke has been manipulating him? Like, Ben is a smart kid. He could make the connection when Snoke says, like, oh, well, I created the connection between you guys and manipulated Kylo Ren's, um, conflict in order to lure Rey. So Snoke basically just admitted to like manipulating Kylo Ren and manipulating his brain to the point that Ben could pretty clearly make the connection that that's something that maybe Snoke has been doing for a long time. He's a smart enough guy to figure that out. But his reaction to that is not like, oh, maybe I should rethink some of my choices. It's no, I'm going to kill the guy and take his place because, because there's, I want to be in charge. um, (laughs) It's like that fear of like, emasculation almost as a result of that. Like, no one controls me. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get there was so here. much Does... nuance to this movie, and we're all just slowly realizing it. Right. But does he still feel the pull of the light, though? Like, I, I read somewhere, and I forget where, talking about how they always talk about the temptations of the dark side and starting down the dark I mean, path, but is there... Yeah, is he there talks an, about that quite explicitly, the temptation. Isn't there an the equal pull the other way, though? Yeah. Like, is he still being tempted by the light side? I mean, there's the, the scene where he's about to shoot the bridge out of the ship, right? But he knows Leia's there, doesn't mm-hmm. take the shot. Right. Now, would he have taken the shot later in the film? Yeah, that's... my question. Well, he does, like, you know, shoot the cave where she is. And he did try and totally obliterate Luke. Yeah, right. but Luke isn't his mother. Well, Luke tried no. to kill him, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he had to know that Leia was there, that Leia was in the mine, yeah. and he still tried to... Yeah. And she could have been in any of those transports, and he didn't stop them from being exploded. Mm-mm. You know, I, I, he does talk explicitly about the pull of the light and The Force Awakens, obviously. Yeah. And then in this one, his kill the past remark to me was just like, I have to double down. Like, I've made, I've made these choices. This is it. Like, I mean, like... Can like wasn't this not inevitable? But like, isn't this a choice he already made when he killed Han? Yes, like yep. it was. I'm sorry, it was. Yeah, and, and like the, the, the I, this is this is not about him making a choice again. This is about Ray and this odd responsibility she feels to save him, and her learning that that sense of responsibility is misplaced, yep. and it's not her role. Yeah, and like it's it not her was. job to fix the entitled white boy. No, because to me, because villains have agency too. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what I really liked right. about the framing of it is there's nothing – Ray didn't, like, make a mistake. She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't fail. Yeah. Like – Well, she failed. She but failed, but not – There's value in failure. Right, there's value in failure. And she failed – the reason she failed was because – Kylo Ren is also a human being who has agency and can make choices, and he made the opposite choice than what she expected. Yeah. She says this to Luke. She says, you didn't fail Ben. Ben failed you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I won't. I won't. But she's um, a badass. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, even though technically Luke did kind of fail Ben because he tried to kill him. Yeah. However sure. brief the moment was, Thought he does yeah. fully accept the consequence of him thinking and seriously considering killing someone. Yeah, oh, for well, sure. Luke has agency too. Right. Yeah. And you, you, it's understandable why Luke puts that on, on himself. It's understandable why Ray is like, okay, that's unnecessary. It's understandable why Leia puts all this on herself too. Yeah. And it's like, Luke didn't do anything wrong. This is all my fault. And then Han is like, yeah. you guys didn't do anything wrong. It's all my fault. And they're like, no. Yeah, he tries. He tries so hard yeah. to be a Martel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have to say, I loved Leia in this movie. Oh gosh, um, I love her every single moment of her existence. Yep. Yeah, I'm still really? not over it. Even her no. wonky scripting in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, well, that's that's just coke. <laughs> if I can honeypot the prequels, I can honeypot the the original yeah. trilogy that are actually good. Yeah, just return. You only have to honeypot Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I will say if either <clears throat> if either of you have read my review of Leia, Princess of Alderaan, Claudia Gray yeah. um, retcons that scene. I have heard, but I haven't gotten to read it yet. So, um, according to um, in part of the world building that uh, Claudia Gray uses, that um, like all of the intricate braids um, of the hairstyle, like those are specific hairstyles for royalty in the Alderanian homeworld. And like women, um, the queen only lets her hair down if she's vulnerable. Um, if she's emotionally vulnerable. So Leia letting her hair down is Leia learning how to like be herself and like spend some time for herself and celebrate herself and not have to fix everything. Um, which then puts like the scene with her and Han where she's, you know, very, demure and feminine because um because george lucas wanted to feminize her um but like it it recontextualizes that scene of like leia making a choice to like be emotionally vulnerable with han um and her learning to like say that she doesn't have to always like always be on she doesn't always have to be leia the princess she can just be leia um so like there's you know it's it's totally a honeypot it's totally a retcon but like it makes (laughs) that scene more it gives meaning to that scene where before there was only sexism. So <laughs> I was, I was going to say, out of all the times for self-care Sunday when she's like yeah. on Endor to disable a base. Yeah, like <laughs> literally on a commando mission. And let's talk about how her boyfriend got command of the commando mission, even though he's like just got a commission from a Cracker Jack box. Like, yeah, there's no way to fix scene. that. And she's been there from the beginning. And like she was just like, I guess I'll tag along as the only girl. Yeah, there's no way to fix that. Um. but this movie though is the matriarchy Mm -hmm. yep yes the only thing that i'm mad about well i'm mad about a couple of things but one of them is that we don't get to see any more vice admiral holdo yes the only thing i'm mad about is how like the the 
the whole thing where she's totally sleeping with Poe is only in very, very, very obvious implication, and they don't actually show anything. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Hold on. Time out. Who's sleeping with Poe? Leia! Yep. No! Yeah! No! Oh, yeah. No, I refuse. Oh, yeah. I'm on Team Yes. I've been on Team Yes. She was hanging out in her hospital room, okay? She was injured in a coma, and he was hanging out in her hospital room the whole time. holding her hand. Yeah, they're totally fucking. Totally fucking. Wait, let's get Ian to weigh in on this. I'm, new, I'm gonna stay neutral on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I could okay, take number... it. I could take it either way. <sighs> okay, because I'm a I'm a serial Lynn Bayfonger. Once you start dating one person in a piece of fictional media, you're stuck with that person forever. And that's not no, <laughs> no. This is this is the sequel trilogy where the world is more complicated than that. When your husband is off on his little smuggler adventure, you get to fuck the pilots. You have to embrace <laughs> oh the tough Bayfong mentality exactly. of this. <laughs> yeah, some guy oh. named Kanto. To be fair, I think I think of Poe as being like polyamorous and pansexual, so I kind of think he's fucking yeah. everyone. <laughs> Honestly, he's okay with that. I'm down with that headcanon, just not with Leia. <laughs> I would say the only person I could never headcanon him with is Holdo, because the, A, they hadn't met before this movie, and B, they didn't seem interested. Oh, what? So. Holdo would be totally down for it. I don't nah. think so. Hmm. She's canonically she pan- to- She's canonically pansexual. She would be she's down canonically- for that. She's, she's also canonically in love with Leia, right? Like, come on. I mean, not canonically, canonically, but, like, that is definitely my head canon, is that she has an unrequited, like, decades-long love for Leia, and that is why she became But to be fair, literally everybody does. Right. That is to be, that is fair. Um, yeah. But anything that you guys, I know that we're all gushing about, but I personally still have art salt. Mmm. Um, tell us about that art salt. Okay, so all the ship, all the starfighters still look exactly the same. Like, I was, with the exception yeah, of the, the bomber, the bomber was a good little art innovation. I love the that bomber. Was, it's a cross between a handgun and like a bomber plane from World War II. This movie was World War II is all hell. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. takes all the World War II at Im- images from the prequel and sequel trilogy and just makes it even bigger. Yeah, but, adds it up to 11, as they yes. say. But, um, so the starship design was still exactly the same. Like they introduced the resistance A wings, which is my favorite starship. Like I love A wings and it's just, it's the exact same thing. And that's not okay. Like you expect that in 30 years, we're all still flying the exact same ships. Well, the resistance is supposed to be under equipped and stuff, but it's even in the new, in the expanded universe materials, it says yeah. that the new Republic fleet is flying a couple, like, one generation ahead X-Wings of the Resistance. Yep. Like, this is cutting-edge technology. And yep. they just never expand it, yep. And pretty much all of the um, the First Order stuff is just, like, slightly modified Imperial. Which yeah, I can see st- kind of making sense if they, like, retrofitted. Yeah, it's like the old Imperial stuff with just more women in it. But they built a planet. That's true. Well, they carved out the middle of a planet and turned it into a weapon. Like, they have the oomph to make, they have the oomph to hire a new art department. Right. <laughs> right. Like, it, yeah, if you can build Starkiller base, you can make your, your, your AT-AT walkers look different. But see, then, yeah, how can J.J. Like, Abrams, 
I was going to say, how, how could J.J. Abrams have then preyed on all of our nostalgia when he made Force Awakens? I mean, if it's tr- if it's a choice between, like, updating the narrative and updating the look, I would choose the narrative for sure. But with all the money they threw at this movie, mm-hmm. they could have. I think maybe there was like there was like you know, like maybe a less cynical version of what Kylie just said. They were afraid that if like you know they have a female protagonist, they have all these like turning old tropes on their heads, and they completely change the way everything looks. That would be like too far for the fanboys, well, and then they wouldn't buy tickets. <laughs> don't change the way everything looks. The perfect example mm-hmm. is Kylo Ren's starfighter. Yep. That thing is poetry yeah it's beautiful (laughs) yes does it rhyme though (laughs) yes just like george says it rhymes (laughs) because it's got the tie interceptor shape and wings but it's sleeker Mm -hmm. and it's all cool and it's got all the red accents it's so good it's like the sports car version it's like that fancy new sports car version (laughs) which is 100 percent what kylo ren flies he drives yeah. a Lamborghini while wearing Gucci. Oh my gosh, he totally does. But we did get the rickety salt hydrofoil things, right? At Those the were end? pretty cool. Yeah. That was <laughs> like an interesting. Cool. Which again, just goes to I show think that, like, that entire that entire scene was very interesting visually. Well, I mean, it was a hundred percent aesthetic, which I kind of love yeah. that they were just like I we're just we're, we're totally just going to go for aesthetic for this. Yeah. Like, like, it was bleeding well, that, and everything. That one guy gave us the perfect gift to use for any time somebody's mad about the movie. Salt. salt. It's salt. <laughs> yeah, I'm that obsessed with that moment. That's like, <laughs> that's that's the traitor of this movie for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad we didn't get Kylo Riel traitor. Though, I was somewhat, I started wondering about this because, um, about the, the art and whether or not it may be intentional. It's one of those things where, like, it might not be, but it wouldn't surprise me if it were because it, it resonates so well with, with one of the other things that the film is trying to do. Um, which is, um, the, the theme of, like, saving what we love that we get from Rose. It's not about, um, um, destroying our enemies. It's about saving what we love. Uh, or it's not about fighting what we hate, but saving what we love. Um, where you have this, this theme of like the, the outer trappings of things are destroyed, but like the core of what is good is re- like remains. You have like Rose saving, like literally in that scene, you have Rose saving Finn, even though his mm-hmm. ship and the, like the entire base is smashed. Um, you have Rose saving the Fathers, but Canto Bite being smashed. Um, Canto Bite is the prequels. Right. Everyone realizes that, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very visually similar to the prequels. Um, mm-hmm. but then like the, the core, like the big core things are, um, the resistance, like Haldo, Luke, and Ray each having their moments of like doing the thing that like helps save the resistance. But the resistance is diminished to like this small group of survivors. You have Ray saving the Jedi textbooks, even though like, the, the force tree and everything else is destroyed and you have Rey saving the kyber crystal from Luke's, from Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber after the saber itself is destroyed. So this, it's this whole theme of like the outer trappings of things are destroyed, but like the core, the inside, what is good is like preserved and carried on. Um, I mean, and it's super meta of the whole movie. Like the whole movie is just like taking all of the like trappings of, of like Star Wars movies and like blowing them up. While preserving like those those core things that are good about it, and so it made me wonder Great. if like they're trying to do that with the visuals, and maybe it didn't quite work all the way. That they're taking like, oh, here, like this is recognizable because it's Star Wars, and we're just gonna blow all that shit up. 
Um, Gretchen, I want, I think you need to appreciate how much you have just fixed the art direction for me. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Hooray! Gretchen saves the world. I just started wondering, like, (laughs) as you were talking, like, earlier, because we were talking about this earlier, like, I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if that's what they're doing. Like, if that's what they're trying to do is be like, hey, look at all this recognizably Star Wars things that we're just going to blow up because we're taking Star Wars in a new direction. I think that was not what abrams intended oh no this up, <laughs> i don't basically. think abrams meant it i think brian but johnson i wouldn't be shocked at all if might. ryan johnson was going there with it because of how like i mean this was a pretty meticulous deconstruction narrative yep, mm-hmm. yep. when you get down to it mm-hmm. um so that I could see there being some intentionality, especially like <laughs> the resistance fits on the Millennium Falcons, guys. Yep. Like, With yeah. room for they did horribly. And apparently, the New Republic just got taken off the board. Well, that I mean, right. then the well, government doesn't exist. They followed the chess rules of engagement, I guess. Um, did you guys hear about why the Porgs existed at all? Like, I'm, I'm assuming you you know this, but Puffins, I did, right? Yes. Yes, so the island they were filming on was overrun with puffins, and they didn't have a solution. So they like, I had no idea. And then we're like, okay, (laughs) we're just going to base the porgs off of it. Yeah. That's hilarious. I kind of love that. Didn't think I could like porgs more, but now I do. I know you love porgs. (laughs) Yeah. I love porgs because they're like not important at all. They didn't Ewok them. (laughs) I I really didn't find them to be gratuitous, and I was prepared to hate them. So yeah. Yeah, I was prepared to be annoyed. But I thought they were adorable and hilarious. Yeah, mm. I think like near, like there are certain things that the se- like with even like this kind of works into the theme of balance. Like the se- the sequel trilogy is very good at like balancing those kind of elements. Yeah. Like they would never go Ewok with something like mm-hmm. that. Just like they would never go too far with all of like Finn's uh, with all of Poe's wisecracking. You know, like they right. just like there seems to be a very intuitive sense of like where that balance is. Mm. It's because yeah. there's a quality writing team and George Lucas isn't in it. <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't gonna say that. It's okay. not a lie, though. <laughs> no, it's definitely not a lie. Did you guys hear something yeah, just I... then? I think. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I mean, I, he. The prequels I'm, were yeah. boundary pushing, I guess. With it, they broke new grounds, right? They broke my patience boundary <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> I really, oh I really god. liked what you said earlier, Zach. Is that it's a very nuanced story told very very unskillfully <laughs> the prequels you mean the prequels yeah because yeah. that's what they are like there's there's potential for a really 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 good nuanced interesting story there it's just told so messily that you kind yeah. of have to it's not even a rogue one because yeah. it's told it. from the wrong point of view but yeah, yeah which which it feels I'm like i'm very that's... sad that we didn't get to talk about uh poe and uh finn and rose and their their own failure oh yeah well I think that's an entire podcast in itself, though. I do have a whole, at least one paragraph, if not multiple, in our Star Wars rewatch about Rose and Finn and Poe, because I have very strong feelings Mm. about Rose and Finn and Poe, especially Rose. But, like, that's also another example of the whole, like, okay, this is what the story is supposed to be. We're supposed to be Mavericks and go out on this, like, mission and save the world. But then it's just kind of like, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, totally (laughs) deconstruct that. Mavericking it up actually kind of ruins everything, right? Especially when you like defy orders and, um, yeah, don't like that whole like the whole theme of failure revolves around the whole like everything about failure. Each time we see failure as a theme, Mm -hmm. it's all about saying, oh, this is how the story's supposed to be told. 
Oh, wait. But when we do that, it doesn't work. Like, even Luke's Mm -hmm. whole thing with Ray, where he's like, this isn't going to go the way you think. Like, to me, like, that is the most meta line of the entire goddamn movie, is Luke Skywalker going, this is not going to go the way you think. Like, that describes the whole movie. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't didn't. for a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) And that seems to be, like, the point, is, like, the people I know who really like the movie are the ones who are like, yeah, I loved that that it did not go the way I think that I thought it would. Like, so... I I have something to say. I I don't know how constructive this is. I am not very engaged in the extended canon. I Should have not be. spent a whole lot of time. I have not spent a whole lot of time thinking about Failure. the Force Awakens. I have spent basically no time pondering about Poe and Finn and Rey since I saw the Force Awakens twice. Oh, T three. I enjoyed them. I enjoyed everything about that movie. You can read my gushing about it from you know on, on the site. There's plenty there. But I'm kind of wondering if, you know, the less you engage with these movies, the more enjoyable this one is just because you don't have these conceptions of where you think it might go. Mm. I literally never thought about it. Well, for my, for my involvement in the extended in the extended canon, it really they keep what's going to happen in the next movie incredibly locked down yep. tight. Like, we got, in the, the comics that we're getting right now are all lead-ups to The Force Awakens or offshoots like Phasma, who we need more of in the next movie. Yep. But they don't really say mm-hmm. what's going to happen in the next Star Wars movie. Now they're going to backfill yep. between anything, okay. but they're not going to tell us anything. They didn't tell us what was going to happen in TLJ. There was no foreshadowing no. for it in any of the content. I Nothing. think you can see it in hindsight, but it's so subtle that you wouldn't have known that that's what it was. Well, right, like me... I called, uh, what's his face, Kylo Ren, I called him killing Snoke in our review of The Force Awakens. Right, yep, he did. And that was just, that was just me spitballing. I had no evidence to back right. up my claim. I just thought, how oh, wouldn't it be funny? Right, the one thing yeah. I will say <laughs> about current, I think there's a distinction to be made between whether or not you are involved in, like, Legends I think if you're involved, if people were involved in Legends, like TLJ is going to be really, really, really di- uncomfortable and discombobulating because yeah. it 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 upsets everything from old canon. I think if you're involved in new canon, like I am heavily involved in new canon, um, thanks to my friend Rachel, who got me into all of that, <laughs> both the comics and the books. Um, and for me, when I watched Last Jedi, like I was like going, oh, this is basically what they've been leading up to for the last two years. Like everything, yeah, everything about how like um the decentering of like white male heroes, like the hope being collective, like the communal nature of mm-hmm. resistance, everything about diverse storytelling and kind of like decentering like force users and the Skywalkers in particular, like all of that was like, oh, this this is just what the extended canon has been doing for two years. And so the last Jedi felt cool. like they were finally like this is what we're doing, guys. We're just going to, like, put all of our cards on the table so that everyone, even those not involved in extended canon, know exactly what we're doing as a franchise. But, like, of all of the themes and, like, the subversions and, like, deconstructing, like, that didn't surprise me at all. That's pretty cool. I guess the one thing I would ask you then, Gretchen, because I know you've read the comics, mm-hmm. did Poe seem out of character to you? Or no. was that foundation there? <laughs> no. Okay. He didn't. I think some of his 
There are certain aspects that did feel a little bit dialed up, but those are things that I can explain by... Because his girlfriend was in trouble. No, like, I can explain that by his relationship to Leia. Of, like, yeah. the person who he's been, like, serving under is, you know hurt maybe dying and this total rando steps in like he believed that he was going to be named in charge and this total rando steps in and he's supposed to just listen to her like that any like inconsistency like if i think he might be slightly more hot-headed than i've seen him in the comics like i can explain that by context yeah because it's just like one of the more common claims is like character assassination of poe and anytime i've heard it's like I didn't think he had a character in Force Awakens, so I don't know. He doesn't really but have yeah, a character. Just, He's like a wise-cracking pilot who shows up. He doesn't really have much to do in The Force Awakens. No, no, and I'm glad that they, you know, gave him more. I found him still sympathetic in this movie, you know? Oh, yeah. See why he makes the decisions he does. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think Absolutely. it was a character assassination at all. It was everybody always says, we want more morally ambiguous and morally something main characters. And I was like, well, now you have it. Right. Right. Is that what they say? Every so often they say, give us more of these characters. And then they, when they get them, they say, no, not those. Right. I don't want them. And you not have infighting so among the rebellion uh, as to tactics. Right. It's everything we've always wanted. Right. Um, yeah. Like, I, I have, I had a much more positive first reaction of especially, like, Poe and Haldo's dynamic. But, like, as I've been interacting with other, with certain people online and, like, reevaluating it, like, I can definitely see that that could have used some tweaking um mm. but i don't think that it was out of character per se because like i read the i read the poe comics they're great and there's definitely negative implications um right with the race racial dynamics right, of that too. Exactly. there's really no sidestepping that no um but yeah absolutely uh and i think this is also why it's important to read pretty much like everyone's perspective. Gretchen and I wrote recently on Reader Response, the third lens of fandom analysis, and that is very relevant to the Last Jedi dialogue. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, looking at our time, we're running a little bit long, but if we can, let's just talk about some of our expectations for Episode Nine, or if we even have them. No, no expectations, and you just end up disappointed. Just like I have no expectations at all for the Winds of Winter. You don't even have hopes. How about fine. hopes for episode nine? Well, I hope they recast Leia. Yes. Yes. Hundred yes. percent. Other than that, I'm trying not to. Does anyone get disagree excited. with the recast of Leia? Anyone? No. I feel like it's the only way you can do it. Hmm. Yeah. It's what Carrie. Fi- I, I feel like it's what Carrie Fisher would have wanted. Honestly. Yep. Yeah. She totally. I feel and bad for whoever. It's what the movie needs. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, they're clearly setting up nine to be Leia's movie, and if Carrie Fisher had not passed away, like. Nine would have been her movie. Oh yeah. Um. Um. So yeah. Something I think. that I'm something that I'm hoping for, and I pointed out in my article, but I'm going to talk about it here again because I really want it. Is I want another good lightsaber duel. Like I love the conflict no. between Ray and Kylo Ren <laughs> that we got in this movie. It was great, but I really want them to be like at their peak, fully recovered. Hmm. Like go at it. Nothing to the level of the choreography of the prequels, but like a a happy medium. Yeah. If they could do it well and not do it over over the top. Okay. As long as we're not rope swinging over lava, we'll be good. (laughs) Cap it it at three minutes. No dance battle lightsabers. I want you guys to be happy, but I can't can't root for this. I'm sorry. That's fair. You're allowed allowed to I can't root for it, but I think it's inevitable. Um, Force Ghost Luke? Force Ghost Anakin, maybe? (laughs) 
No. Oh my god, get Hayden Christensen back in. I I really want Luke as a force ghost just like sassing. For the novelty no, game? I want him like sassing Kylo Ren. Haunting him, Haunting in his- him. Yeah. yeah. He shows up great. in his like bathroom just like he's sitting there on like the toilet or something, just like hi Kylo. Yes. <laughs> Drinking green milk. Yes. Drinking <laughs> force project yes. I yeah, I just really I think it'd be great. And maybe some more Yoda. Maybe Yoda as a force ghost talking to Ray. Oh that my god, he's such a cool. troll. To, to like it. explicate the themes yes. explicitly. Yes. Right. A little more puppet Yoda, please. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so, please. Yes. That was such a good honestly, choice. Honestly, my biggest hope for episode nine, and I think there's a sixty percent chance it'll happen. No redemption for Kylo Ren. Yes. And I say only sixty percent because I have no faith in Abrams. I think this is the story that was <sighs> obviously set up. <sighs> but yeah, that's that's my biggest. Like, I mean, it depends what you mean by redemption. I think. I, I mean, I, I could I can imagine ways that it would be done well, but I, in one movie. <sighs> Yeah, I hope I it doesn't happen. And I, I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not rooting for that either. Like, I'd, I'd rather have a lightsaber battle than that for sure. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah, I have really hit the rock bottom. Um, I want Lay, Lay, uh, Ray. If I can speak and not try and say Leia and Ray at the same time, um, I would like Ray to meet up with a couple of force sensitive children. And just be like, yo, guys, um, force is about balance. Let's go kick some space Nazi ass. Just like. If Leia is space mom, yeah. then that means Ray is space big sister. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, like, official big giant training school, because I think that that undermines what The Force Awakens was, not The Force Awakens, what The Last Jedi was trying to do with, like, you only need, like, really all you need is, like, your connection to the Force and an understanding of balance. And a desire to, like, a desire to help people. Like, that's all you need. Um, and a Baptist or something. So I'm going to I'm going to say that this is probably outside of Christian. But I think what they're going for is something that's explicitly not Christian, like, Christian-centric in terms of religious... No, they're Anabaptists because they don't start training them when they're fetuses. No, but we we had we had the analog to Christianity, and they were like bloated we had evil space Jesus. Yeah, and yeah. they were like bloated assholes who created Vader. Yeah, and these people are like reformed. No, I'm going to say that they're like if they're going for a religious allegory, it's going to be outside of Christian faith. I know, I know that Gretchen it was in the series. It has to be. So, so here I'm going to ask something that yes, maybe I shouldn't. But hopes for shipping. No. Storm pilot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jedi storm pilot. Yes. Oh. OT4? Okay, that I can get behind. OT3. What about Rose? Oh, make it an OT4. Yes. As long as there isn't a love triangle. We yeah. learned how that goes down in I'm Legend of Korra. Okay. Happy, well, happy, goes, poly, like, really happy poly quadrangle. Um, alternatively, if there is a love triangle, that means that Rose and Ray are getting together at the end. Yes, please. <gasps> Yes, please. <laughs> did I just make a new ship? I would take that very much. Oh, I'm, uh, sure, I'm sure you did not make it. I'm sure it's not no. a new ship, Zach. <laughs> yeah. Have you met the Femmes last I've random? seen fan art of it already, actually. Yeah. Yeah, they were both in the Falcon at the same time. That is enough for... <laughs> My dad ships Ray and Poe. That's starting, and I hope... I, I don't know how I feel about it. I hope it, it ends fast. 
I don't know. In my, in my head, Ray is ace, but I don't really have any reason for yeah. that. It's just I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. That would be fun, though. Just a movie that doesn't have a romantic interaction. Well, there ha- there hasn't really been it. Like, I mean, like you know, Finn and Rose come the closest, and that was like. I mean, we Not had like, the entire prequels, and that was devoid of romantic interaction. That's true. There yeah. was no romance in the prequels. <laughs> Absolutely none. <laughs> the whole second movie was about love and no romance and wishing there was no the, romance. <laughs> wish away feelings, right? But even like, right. but even like, Rose and Finn was felt more along the lines of like, I think I might die. I think I might die, and there is this beautiful, beautiful man's face that is inches away from my face. Like, and if like, I were in like that position, you, if I you wanted, if it. you wanted to spin it as like I love you as a friend, it would work perfectly well too. Right. Like, like, it wouldn't lose anything. Right. But. All right. Well, guys, okay. on that note, on that yeah. very professional note, we have to wrap this up. We are going long, but a big, big thank you to Ian yes. and Zach for joining us. Thank we're you. Glad guys. we could finally sit down with you guys. It's great to talk with you guys. Yeah. May the force be with you. and if you enjoyed this you can read their wonderful star wars rewatches on thefandamentals.com otherwise check out our site for you know other geeky stuff and if you like this podcast subscribe and rate us and tell your friends about us (laughs) you could even tell them about this episode i feel okay about this one yeah Um, yeah. Not like a lot of other ones. Good job, guys. Let's pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you guys. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm so glad we changed up the quotes. I know. I love that quote. All right. Welcome to the I Disappoint Dad Club. Thank you. That's always a good one. <laughs> Very app- no, that's the one that we have to keep no matter what. It's very applicable today, I think. <laughs> mm. Oh, man.